I love to talk about this subject. It's probably one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Probably the most challenging, though, to do. It's about prayer. We've been talking about prayer now for three weeks. And that altar of incense, uh, that golden altar, was a picture of prayer. We studied that last week. Clearly, it's a picture of prayer. It's supposed to be that incense that lies on those fiery coals. And as it, as it rises up to God, it's supposed to be a sweet smell. I mean, our prayers are supposed to be a sweet savor to God. Our, our prayer life should be a sweet savor to God. We want it to be. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and about prayer this morning. Last week, I was dealing with the root of prayer. People really are confused about what really praying is all about. And it's real simple. You can remember this. It's all about asking. Asking God for something. That's the root of prayer. Now, prayer includes other things, like confession. It includes praise. It includes thanksgiving. Talking to God. Sometimes it includes just being silent with God. But real praying is about asking God. Remember Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing which that old English term is full of care, because full of care leads to what? Worry, anxiety, fear. So be careful for nothing, for no reason. Don't be be worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request, there's your asking, be known unto God. Let your asking be known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So once again, Prayer is about asking, but it also includes other things. But, so we're going to talk a little bit about why pray. It's kind of how we concluded last week. Not what is prayer, but why will we pray? Why do we pray? Certainly, prayer feeds a Christian. It feeds the soul. It gives the, stre- the strength the Christian needs to do the will of God. There's two types of Christians out there. There's the anemic Christian, and then there's the spiritual Christian. Whenever I see a Christian struggling in their, in their spiritual life, there's a root cause to that. Besides, there's a whole bunch of things, but there's a root cause, and often it's related to prayer. It's a lack of prayer in their life. Now you show me a spiritual Christian, spiritually minded Christian, and I'll show you someone who's had a, a consistent prayer life. Knows how to get with God, knows how to be real with God, and from the heart. And so prayer will feed a Christian and give them the strength to do God's will. Prayer will give you the power to live for God. We don't have a power to live spiritually. We don't have it in our own self. We have the, God puts us in the batter's box. We still got to swing. We got to work on that swing. But God puts us in the batter's box, but the power comes from God. Ultimately, I mean, what did Jesus say? For without me, you can do nothing. Those are true words. Problem, it's about spiritual things. You cannot accomplish anything spiritually without God. And prayer is what connects you to God's power. It's power source in your life. And um, I often thought about um, what Jesus was told by Pilate. Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus says, you have no power except it be given to thee from above. So even a lost man has no power except God gives it to him. Biden's in the presidency because God gave it to him. Now why God gave it to him? I don't know why. Maybe that's what America deserves. And God can justify judging us. I don't know. But God's power is ultimately all power comes from God. 
And you want to get, you want power in your life to live for God? You got to get with God. You got to spend time with God. Now, that's prayer. Now, prayer gives you power over sin. I like this quote from Paul Bunyan. He says, Prayer will make a man cease from sin. And that's the truth for those of us who, who've learned to pray and overcome temptation. But notice, sin will make a man cease from prayer. Isn't that the truth? Christians that struggle with sin are absence of prayer in their life. Because if they're getting with God, they're going to draw close to God. When you draw close to God, you don't want sin in your life. There's somehow God deals with your sin when you draw close to Him. That's why I put prayer keeps you in fellowship with God. As James tells us, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Uh, don't, you're going to draw nigh to God, yes, through the Word, through going to church, by serving God, but your real drawing nigh to God is through prayer. Pray, pray to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Or draw nigh to God through prayer and He'll draw nigh to you. Prayer makes you sensitive to sin. We talked about power over sin, but makes you sensitive to sin. I thought about Isaiah 6. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And then he said, I saw the seraphim with the six wings flying around and they were covering their, their face and they're yelling, holy, holy, holy. He was in the presence. Isaiah was in the presence of God, the very throne room of God. That's what prayer is. You're going into the very throne room of God. It says, boldly come into the throne room of God. Boldly. The very throne room of God. And Isaiah was there, and he heard the holy, holy, holy. And what did he say? Woe is me, for my man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He cried out with an, un, oh, I'm unclean, because he sensed God's holiness. When you draw an eye to God, there's a sense of holiness that, that takes over. And that keeps you from sin. It makes you sensitive to sin. Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. Why? That you enter not into temptation. Watch and pray means you're alert. You're looking around, but you're praying. He often said, watch and pray. Christians, are we watching and praying? Because if not, we're going to be more susceptible to enter into temptation and forget about the things of God. Watch and pray. Prayer puts things into perspective. I thought about this. Really, when you spend time with God, you begin to see things in a different light. That's why you change. Your values change. Your thought process change. Your actions change. Your behavior, your words. Everything is influenced by time with God. It's not something you can do. You can't say, I'm going to change this. But when you go to God and say, God, you got to help me change this, then things start to happen. And it puts things in perspective. I heard an old preacher story that talked about little, little Johnny was upset with his brother who went off to go sleep and went a, a sleepover with another friend. And he got into his brother's room and just tore that thing up. And then he said he went down, he went to go to his room, lay down, Put his, you know, how the old sort of little boy at the side of the bed kneeling says, Lord, I pray me down to sleep. Lord, I pray my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. And he stopped right there. If I should die. He got a perspective when he said those words. If I die, 
I don't want to leave my brother's room in that condition. And he changed something. It made him change something. So when we spend time with God, we tend to be very sensitive in our perspective. I like what the song says, brother. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this world shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But you got to turn your eyes upon Jesus. you got to look to him. That's prayer. And what happens is the world, the, the material things, the wealth, the, the power, the success, all that seems to be put into perspective with God. But you got to spend time with God. And that's what prayer does. Prayer produces peace in your life. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Not sure how I can define perfect peace. But nothing is going to move you. Nothing's going to disturb you. What, what was pastor's uh, sermon? A couple of uh, unoffendable. Somebody rips you for whatever reason, offends you, but you walk away in perfect peace because you spent time with God. You don't worry about what they think. You worry about what God thinks. Paul was always worried of not but what man judges him. He's worried about how God judges him. And that's what prayer will do. It'll bring peace in your life. It'll keep you in perfect peace, but your mind has got to be stayed on Him, whose mind is stayed on thee, on the Lord. That's how you get perfect peace. You see, somebody who's rattled all the time is someone who's not spending time with God in prayer. Because that verse tells me you'll be in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on the Lord. So whenever a Christian gets out of fellowship with God, Two things are usually lacking in their life. Number one, dust on the Bible. That's the truth. The Bible just gets put, put aside, no time for it, no meditation, no, no conviction from it. So dust on the Bible. But the other one is an empty prayer closet. These are two of the most areas that Christians tend to struggle with. It's Bible reading and study and then their prayer life. And they wonder why they're struggling with their fellowship with God and the power of God. Now, empty prayer closet simply means time with God, alone with God. That's what the prayer closet represents. I, it took me forever to find this verse. I even challenged a couple uh, Christians to help me find it, and, well, they, they narrowed it down to two books, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Thank you. That helped a lot. So I had to go back and read Isaiah and Jeremiah, which wasn't a bad thing. I speed, speed read. But here's I found it in Jeremiah 2, verse 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments? Well, of course not. Or a bride her attire? Absolutely not. Yet my people, this is God's people, have forgotten me days without number. My people have forgotten me days without number. Now, I know sometimes we struggle with prayer. If you're like me, it's dangerous sometimes to get that day started without God. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Once that day gets going, it's hard to turn it off. The noise and the distractions and all the things that come in the day. How many times have you said, I need to pray? The phone rings. Somebody's calling. Somebody needs something. You, got, you get distracted, an email pops up, something's going on right away, first thing. But you know you got to pray. 
Now the day's going by and you still haven't prayed and you say, man, I got to get, get some time with God. By the time you get to the end of the day, you've said, man, I haven't spent any time with God. And there you lie in your bed as you go to sleep and what do you do? You spend a couple minutes with God and you're out. It's over. You start, you wake up the next day. I got to spend time with God. Boom, another distraction. That's how, that's, we're always being challenged to, with those distractions and, and, and the noise that's out there to keep us from praying. That is not, that's Satan working always to keep you from God. Because once you get into that rut and you go, you go day and then another day and then a day turns into a week and then a week turns into weeks. Next thing you know, you find yourself anemic and feeble and struggling with your spiritual life. Can a maid forget her? Nope, a bride won't. But God's people do, without number. I like this quote from Corey Ten Boom. Spare your steering wheel or your spare tire. In other words, is it what guides you? Because that's what you're asking God to, for guidance. I need help, God. Or is it the spare tire? In other words, God is your last resort. When all else fails, the tires are coming off the, 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 the car, that's when you go, okay, it's time for God. When you get yourself in a rock and a hard place, most likely you're going to call on God. But why does it have to get to a rock and a hard place to call on God? How about get with God before the rock and the hard place takes place? So that's why I thought that verse was pretty eye-opening. I'm afraid. Uh, and I've been challenged in this area too, so this, I'm not just talking, I'm trying to help the Christ, Christians this morning. I'm not, I'm not trying to demean or ch challenge you as in, in a sense that you're not praying. I'm just trying to help you to learn to pray and get time with God. Now, some of you are spiritual warriors, I get it. But there's a lot of Christians I know that struggle in this area. And I'm afraid too many Christians are short on prayer. And I kept asking myself why I've struggled with prayer at times. And those times that I've struggled with prayer have been more of the difficult times in my life where I simply feel like God's in a distant and that's not something I enjoy. So I thought about it takes discipline. It literally takes hard work. It takes uh, routine. It takes dedication. And, uh, you know, we'll do that for work. Sometimes we'll do that for our children in their sport programs or we'll commit ourselves to things on the social media app, but yet we, we put God aside. It takes discipline to get a prayer life going. Hard work, prep work, whatever it takes, you're certainly going to be challenged because it's a spiritual discipline. It takes sacrifice. I mean, you've got to give up something to pray. Time. we got to give up time. Now, I'm going to give you some things that have helped me in my prayer life. Because my, when I was working full-time in, in that role that I had before I, I retired, it, it was full-on. I mean, from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, that phone never stopped, the emails never stopped. No one called me and said, hey, Whiff, I got good news for you today. <laughs> Every day was, Whiff, we got a problem. That's what the buck stops at the top? Is that what they say? So I knew that. And I knew if I started my day without God, it never goes well. The anxiety, the stress, the, the pressure. So I found that I had a lot of time in the morning. You know, I had my time to, you know, obviously do my things in the morning, have coffee, read the scriptures, whatever. 
But then I'd have time to commute. Oftentimes it was the commute to the office or commute to the airport, but I had time in the car. Never. My rule was never, one, answer the phone. I don't care if it was the CEO. Well, I take that back. CEO calls typically. I'd, give, I'd finish up my prayer time and then go call the CEO. But nothing was going to, I had to make a discipline, uh, concerted effort to not be disrupted. This is my time with God, and nothing is going to get in the way of that time with God. So as I would take that commute or whatever that distance I had in the car, it was God's time in prayer, spending time with God. Now, now I'm retired. I don't have that time driving in a car. So I had to find a new routine to spend time. So I found, hey, I got to get, I got to stay exercising. So I'd, I'd go out walking. I go out walking two or three miles, four miles a day. And if I'm not walking that day and I'm getting in a car and I'm going somewhere, time with God. No phone, no radio, no nothing can get in. That's, that was a discipline I had to dedicate myself to. And, and that takes sacrifice and it takes hard work, but it's worth it. I encourage you, anytime you get, you're driving somewhere, or you're on an airplane for an hour or two, or whatever you're doing, that's a good time to spend time with God. Just don't close your eyes, whatever you do. Struggle to focus. A lot of people struggle. Some people are ADD. They can't. They, this is why I think we've, and I've been really encouraging believers to do this, but God is very clear in the Old Testament that everything was to be done in the morning. The manna was collected in the morning. The Word of God is, the manna was the Word of God. It was to be collected in the morning. The altar of incense was done in the morning. Everything was in the morning. There's even a, a, a prayer in Psalm 5, uh, verses 2 and 3. that's uh, early in the morning will I call on thee. So God, why? God knows how distracted we get during the day. He knows how, how, how much comes on your life throughout the day. He knows the day is evil. He says it. So why not start your day with God? And so, struggle to focus? Well, it's not going to help you if you start in the middle of the day. Not that you can't pray. You want to pray in the middle of the day. You want to take time with God. You want to be in an attitude of prayer. Prayer without ceasing, the Bible says. But really, the best time is to start your day off with God in the morning. Some people struggle with not sure what to pray for. And this is why they're short. I don't know what to pray for. Man, there's so many things to pray for. You know, sometimes it would just help to walk up to somebody and say, hey, is there anything I can pray for for you? Now, I know that kind of sets them back a little bit, like, what, what, what do you think, something's wrong? I mean, no, I just want to pray for you about something, anything. Get a prayer life. Make a list. God's, God's interested in where your heart is, not how you're praying, how articulate you are. If you've got to look at a list as you're praying to God, God's okay with that if it's from the heart. Make a list. I mean, we have the prayer list, um, it's usually up here, that we have on Wednesday night. We've got the missionary board. We've got lost uh, loved ones we can pray for. We can pray for one another. We can pray for our pastors. There's so much to pray for. We, we don't have enough time in the day to pray for everything that's out there. So make a list. Do something that will keep you focused on people and praying for them, and, and for your own needs, by the way. A lot of times I've been like, Lord, you already know what my needs are. So I'm going to just pray for others. But I've learned that's not always correct. The Lord knows, He knows my needs before I ever ask. But the Lord wants, still wants to hear from me what those needs are. 
to be aligned with Him. It's, it's, when you're struggling with something, like prayer, it's okay to go to God and say, God, you got to help me with my prayer life. I can't stay focused right. I need help. That's asking God for something. That's depending on Him. And when you depend on Him, you exhibit faith. And faith is what pleases God and rises up to Him as a sweet smell. Just asking and depending on Him. So the Spirit indeed is willing. Man, I, I got to get going here. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Bible's clear that we either feed our flesh or we feed the Spirit. We feed the Spirit with fellowship and serving and prayer and Bible. But if we feed the flesh, uh, we're going to find ourselves really struggling in our prayer life. So Christian, what are you feeding, your flesh or your spirit? All right, so I'm going to run through this pretty quick. The fiery coals, I took the liberty to kind of what it represents. The burning coals represent a desire to know God, a burning desire. It's a burning passion or a zeal to God to cry out to God. And the fiery coals represent the trials and the hardships of life that brings us to our knees. This is the rock in the hard place. This is the Red Sea and the armies behind Pharaoh's armies that give us no other option but to call on God. Now, you don't want God to get you to that place. But we've all been there. We have to learn sometimes that God has to box us in to teach us to cry out to Him. It's better for us to get ourselves there than to, for God to have to do that. But trials and hardships bring us to our knees. I, I think what Billy Graham once said, to get back on our feet, we must first get down on our knees. Remember the prayer warrior in, in Ephesians chapter 6 was missing the, the armor of his knees. Why? Because he was praying with all prayer and supplication. He was on his knees to complete the armor of God. That's how you complete your self as a warrior, getting on your knees. I'm going to talk to you about real praying. This is really, this is the heartbeat, believe it or not, of this study. And I, I didn't give myself much time to, to deal with this. Um, this is, I, I don't have time to go through these verses in Luke and Matt, Matthew, but I'll give you a little background. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to suffer and incur the wrath of God for our sins. Now, what you have to think about is Jesus had you in mind when he was in this garden. He had all those Old Testament saints that were promised redemption, and he has all those New Testament saints that are going to get redemption. So you got to imagine what he's going through as he gets into that prayer, as he gets to go in prayer with God, the Father, in the garden. And I learned some things about real praying. What is real praying? Because he, he gives us an example of real praying. I mean, the world is on his shoulders, literally. And in fact, that was, if you read it in those scriptures, the Bible says that he prayed in agony. I, 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 don't, I think you might get there once or twice in a lifetime. I mean, really praying, like your life depends on it. Or someone else's life that you love depends on it. And that's where he was, obviously, like I said, what he's praying for. That he sweat drops of blood, capillaries in his head were bursting as if the, the intensity and the pressure. And the Bible says that it took an angel to strengthen him in this prayer. An angel. Because certainly it wasn't going to be Peter and the sons of Zebedee 
because they were out sleeping every time he asked them to help, which is an interesting scenario. So what, what are some observations about real praying that we can get out of this? It was solitary. It was certainly alone. Now, it may have started off as a group prayer because he asked, he asked James or Peter and the sons of Zebedee to join him. Come watch and pray with me. What did they do? Remember, Peter, I'll fight to the end, to the death with you, Lord. And then he asked him, well, come pray with me. And he says, hey, Peter, wake up. He's fall, he fell asleep, not once, not twice, but three times. Those guys were falling asleep. They weren't there with him. So eventually, it starts off maybe as a group prayer, but it didn't end that way. He was withdrawn about a stone's cast. So real praying is being about being alone with God. Coming to church and praying, at the table with your family praying, getting together with a group praying is all good. It's awesome. But real praying is you and God, period. You and God, alone. With thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When you shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret. I had a friend who was six foot five, but, well, 300 pounds. He, he took that literally. He literally get, gets, would, he was a prayer warrior. I mean, when he prayed, you knew he was in touch with God. And he got into that prayer closet every day. I mean, he literally got in a prayer closet. I don't know how he fit, but he got in that thing. He must have used his wife's closet, but because... Uh-huh. Enter into the closet. It's about being in secret with God, who will reward you openly. It was, he went in the mountain to pray, Jesus, apart to pray. And the evening was come, he was there alone. He was pressed during the day by the crowds, but at night he knew how to get away and spend time with his, the, the Father. He was alone. Real praying is being alone with God. Daniel prayed three times a day. By the way, alone. What I love about this is it prepared him for what was coming. Because God threw him in the, the lion's den, and we know that he had been preparing for that, and God delivered him. So often we can learn that God will deliver you if you've got a prayer life. He might make you suffer if you don't. Consider Jacob. I talked about this last Sunday night. He was with the Lord alone through the night. He wrestled with the Lord, remember? I mean, he had been running. He had fears. He was manipulative, but he got alone with God, and it changed his life forever. He wrestled with the Lord. He, he was losing this, this wrestling match, and he finally said, I will not let thee go. Notice what he does. Except thou bless me. He recognized the blessings came from God. He was willing to ask God for something. I'm not letting you go, God, until you do this for me. That's okay to do that with God. Lord, I need you. Now, it may not be what I want, but I know it. you'll give me what I need. God knows that. He asked the Lord for something when he was alone, which is what prayer is all about. Not only was his prayer solitary, but it was humble. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. That says a lot. Jesus Christ got his face in the dirt for us. That night was like unlike any other night he experienced because he is going to incur the wrath of God, which was the separation that he had never experienced in all eternity. And he knew the cup of wrath was coming. 
and he was willing to get his face in the dirt. You talk about humble. When you're prostate and you're crying out to God and you're in that position, you mean business with God. I mean, you really mean business with God. And when you mean business, you're going to be humble with God. Because the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Casting all your care upon Him. How do you do that if you're not praying? God, take this. Take that, Lord. I can't do this, Lord. Jesus did. It was earnest. It was very sincere. There was nothing about what the Lord was praying that, that moment in the garden that was memorized. It wasn't fake. It wasn't vain. It wasn't planned. It was from the heart because it was, from, it was real. That's why Jesus warns us about when you pray, don't use vain repetition. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Memorizing a prayer is not going to help anybody. Being real with God. When the Pharisees were throwing their riches in to give to God, they didn't get recognized by God. But the widow who gave her two mites, which is meaningless from a financial standpoint, God said that's everything. Because what did she do? She gave her heart. She gave from the heart, just like our prayers. That's why sometimes real praying, when we get in a tough bind, man, we mean business with God. He knows it's from our heart, but that's what God wants all the time. So it rises up to him as a oh, sweet smell. It was submissive. I'm going to close on this. The, this his prayer began with a possibility. Lord, if this, if this be possible, let your cup pass. Let this cup pass. Now, we'll ask things from God. But it's good to ask, hey, Lord, I don't know what your will is in this matter. This is what I want. This is what I think I need, but you know better. And I'll submit. This is the hard part. I'll submit to whatever the answer is. Jesus says it began with a possibility, but it ended with a complete surrender of God's will. And sometimes God gives you what you don't expect. And many times we seek the Lord for something important to us only to have the Father say no. And that's tough. We have to learn to submit. So are we willing to take no for an answer and surrender, like Jesus did, to God's will? That's something about prayer that we should all, hey, Lord, I'm asking you for this. But if you're not going to do that, help me, give me the strength to surrender and say whatever you're going to give me, that's good enough for me. And God knows what's best for us, and there's a reason why he doesn't give us something that we're, we may be asking for. It's just like somebody who's sick. I don't know what God's will is for their life. When they're sick and maybe on their death, I don't know what God has planned. Look, we always pray, God, heal them. Why would we not want to? We're positive thinkers in that sense. We want God to heal them. But that may not be God's will. Maybe God wants them sick for a while, for a reason. But God knows that you're, you're asking for something, but it may not be the answer. So you got to be saying, okay, God, six months later, a year later, they're still sick. Well, then, then maybe your will is for them not to be healed. Are we willing to surrender to what God gives us? The answer is really tough sometimes. So real praying will say, Hey, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. May God help us to have a prayer life that the Lord Jesus represented that's solitary, that's humble, that's earnest, and is submissive. May the Lord help us 
as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for your wonderful grace. Thank you for loving us. We love you, Lord, and help us, Lord, to uh, show that love in our, our words, our, our expression, and in, in, in our behavior, and Lord, and more so even in our prayer life. Help us, Lord, to spend time with you. Like Jacob, wrestle with you and seeking you and looking to ask for you and help in everything we do. May God, you give us a prayer life, strengthen us, help us to be the Christian that uh, honor honor you and glorify you and that rise up to you with a, as a sweet smell. May God, you help us. May we enter into this worship hour with uh, to worship you in truth and spirit. May you help us, Lord, in every way. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.